Hi, I'm Kate. I'm one of the pastors at HCBB, and it's great to have you with us today. A few weeks ago, we looked at the story of David. We looked at how David was at the height of his fame and success, and then suddenly something happens that was completely out of his control. Now, David flees from his enemy Saul. He leaves his friends, his finances, his future, and he ends up in a cave. And he's alone, and who should join him but his family, who he really struggles to get along with. And then some discontented people. Brilliant, perfect company to have in a cave. I'm sure some of you may be able to sympathize at this time with David. Now, there's an enemy on the outside, Saul, King Saul. But there's also enemies on the inside, those people who, those discontented people who don't really bring out the best in David. But there's also the enemy within himself. Now, I'm sure we can all connect with the fact that there's just something in all of us that doesn't always promote the glory of God. And what we see is that how God does something amazing in David and in those men in the cave with him, some of those men become instrumental in God's story. Now, today, what I want to look at is the main tool that David had in that season. Now, we know that David was a warrior. He had the sword of Goliath, the giant in his hand. But we see that his main weapon, his true weapon at this time, was worship. And when he was in that cave, he wrote a psalm. Our reading for today, Psalm 57. So, Let's take a look. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until a disaster has passed. I cry out to the God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Whoa, this is dramatic. Now, David is talking about his actual enemies on the outside, but also those discontented people on the inside of the cave stuck with him, getting increasingly bored and frustrated. And frankly, I can really sympathize with David. I have two little girls who haven't been there to age two, and they haven't been to the playground in over a month. And oh my days, when that frustration comes out, boy, it's savage. My two little lions have a very loud roar. But David continues, verse five, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. Ha ha. My heart, oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love. Reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I think what's a real challenge in this season is that some areas of our lives seem to have ground to a halt. They feel really sluggish. And then there's other areas of our lives that are like on overdrive. And it can be really hard to see where God is in all of that. But 
what this psalm shows us is that God is on the move. And one of our main weapons at this time is worship. And despite everything we are facing, God is inviting us into his battle for on earth as it is in heaven. And what I feel like God is saying to us today is for us to pick up our weapon of worship. Even if we're busy, now is the time to worship. Because as we see in verse three, God is waiting to send us his love and faithfulness. I love that. I can just picture it. Ding dong, your fresh delivery of love and faithfulness has arrived. Worship is like opening the door to that delivery. Thank you very much. Please put it on the side. I'll leave it there for three hours. Clorox it all over and then bring it in. Thanks, God. Now, are you ready? This talk today, this psalm, Psalm 57, is a five-point practical guide to worship in this season. And we are going to rock it through. So hold on to your helmets. Let's go. First point, worship is the weapon that fixes our focus. We see in this psalm that David starts in this sort of frantic, despairing place. Have mercy on me, I will take refuge in you. And then as he sings, David sort of goes on this soul journey and has a revelation of God. Verse 10, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Even by verse 3, David is saying, God sends forth his love and faithfulness. David is changed as he worships. And like David, as we oscillate between fear and faith, worship opens our eyes to see that God is on the move. Worship is the weapon that fixes our focus. Point two, worship is the weapon that opens our arms. This psalm is a picture, a picture of the opportunity to worship at this time. Because even if we're busy, taking the time to sing in a cave is acoustic gold. When we're in a cave-like season, we're in sort of like an echo chamber of, of our own thoughts and the words that we hear, and they just get strangely magnified and louder and louder, positive or negative. And what we can learn from this psalm is that David chooses to sing. Verse 10, for great is your love reaching the heavens. The acoustics in a cave make one voice sound like 10. It's acoustic gold. Worship forces us to open our arms, to let go of all the fear and anxieties and other stuff that we are holding and opens us up to be able to receive what God is wanting to give. Verse two, I cry out to God most high. He sends from heaven and saves me. Now, ultimately, we see this in Jesus, sent from heaven, God's son, to die on the cross for us, to take all of our sin and shame away, to deal with it once and for all so we can have an unbroken relationship with the Father. But we also see it in the nitty gritty of the day to day. This psalm shows us that whatever you need right now, God is waiting to send it out from heaven to save us. Worship is primarily to elevate God, to lift him high. But also it's really helpful to remember in this time that worship has some really key benefits for us. When we sing to God, 
it sort of reflects off him and blesses us. And there's so much to be gained. We gain his peace and faith, no matter what our circumstances. And as this psalm lists, mercy, refuge, vindication, glory, love, faithfulness that reaches to the skies. Do you need any of that today? All of that simply is a byproduct of worship. And we get all of those benefits just by simply choosing to stick on that HCBB Spotify worship playlist while we're working from home or while the kids run wild at our feet or choosing to stick on Stu's new worship song, hashtag friend plug, while we pause emails for two minutes in the middle of our day or just choosing to sing on the way to your hospital shift in the car. Now, Worship can look like blaring Carrie Job on volume 11 in the living room while we dance like crazy and sing like we're in sort of some sort of karaoke competition for the Lord. But it can also look really simple, like singing a Bible verse that pops out to you. Perfect love casts out fear. Or mumbling under your breath a Sunday school song that pops into your head. And we can do it out of tune. It doesn't matter. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. God loves it when we sing to him. And now is the time to worship. Unprecedented times call for unprecedented prayer and worship. Worship opens our arms, forcing us to let go of all that fear and anxiety and anything else that we could be holding and allows us to receive those fresh deliveries of love and faithfulness that God is wanting to give. Point three, worship is the weapon that humbles our hearts. We do what we can do, but worship is the humility to acknowledge that God needs to do the rest. Some of you will have heard before me and Dan talk about our five-year struggle with infertility. And every month we would not get pregnant and every month we would cry and worship. Worship was our weapon against despair and bitterness. Worship was our heart cry. Worship was also our surrender, acknowledging that God needs to do what only he can do. David, in this psalm, hides in a cave. But then we see in verse 2, God, in you I take refuge. David shows us that we do what we can do, but worship is the humility to acknowledge that God needs to do the rest. Worship is the weapon that humbles our hearts. Point four, worship is a weapon that trains us in truth. If I'm being honest, the hardest time for me to worship is not when things are hard, but when things are meh, average. Um, With there's lots to do, I'm just going to crack on and do it. I'm very good at believing the lie that if I work hard enough, I can pretty much do anything in my own strength. And And it feels like a really justified, very respectable kind of lie, which makes it all the more dangerous. Verse three, One translation of God sends us his love and faithfulness is also accurately translated. God shall send his mercy and truth. 
Worshipping Jesus is like opening the window of our mind to hear and comprehend God's truth, truth, combating every lie. Worship is like handing God the key to the jail that we didn't even know that we were in. Worship is the weapon to train us in truth and bring us to freedom. And finally, in our five-point practical guide to worship in this time, point five, worship is a weapon to reawaken our souls. In the cave, we see that David has to choose to sing. We see that David has to shake his soul awake in a cave-like season, because in a cave-like season, that is exactly what we need. Verse seven, I will sing and make music, awake my soul, awake. We can just picture it, can't we? Um, David is psyching himself up. He's motivating himself to worship. He clearly doesn't want to do it, which frankly is extremely encouraging. Now, if singing isn't easy for you, then I totally understand. Last week, the MCO was extended again, and I was already feeling low, and I was like, I've got to worship, and oh my days. It was like stirring cement. I absolutely didn't want to do it. But what's so encouraging is that in the original language of verse eight, it says, awake my soul, is also translated because this is poetry, awake my glory. Song worship is the very act of awakening the glory of God within us. That there's just something about singing that God uses us to realign us with himself. They've started using music in therapy, therapy for dementia patients. And there was a film um, on the research that's been going on in this area. And there was a feature of an elderly gentleman and we see him hunched over in his, in his wheelchair. He's subdued and lost in his mind. And we see that as the music begins to play in his ears, something behind his eyes ignites. He is reawakened. Something that was lost is found within him. And he begins to sing the most soulful rendition of a Christmas song that I have ever heard. And what's interesting is the music doesn't fix his situation, but the music enables him to be more fully himself in that situation. Verse eight, awake my glory. Sometimes we can get really lost in a narrative that is not our own and worship reawakens us to who we were truly made to be. Worship is the weapon that reawakens our souls. Now is the time to worship. So let's stand and let's pray together. I'm going to start just by inviting the Holy Spirit to come. You may want to open your arms to receive all that God has got to give. And I'm just going to pray and we're going to wait on the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would fill every home, every heart, every person who is watching today. We wait for you. Fill us with your presence. 